0: Welcome back, everyone. This is The Changelog, where members support a blog, podcast, and weekly email that covers what's fresh and what's new in open source. Check out the blog at changelog.com which is now hosted on a blazing fast DigitalOcean SSD cloud server. I'm pretty pretty proud of that. I'll give you some details here in a bit. Uh, but our patch shows can be found at 5by5.tv slash changelog, and you can subscribe to our weekly email. It's called The Changelog Weekly. Uh, We cover everything that hits our open source radar. Subscribe at thechangelaw.com slash weekly. This show is hosted by myself, Adam Stachowiak, and also Andrew Thorpe. Andrew, say hello. Yo, yo, what's going on? kind of had some change of plans this week. kind of worked out, though, right? Yeah, yeah, excited. Because of it,
1: we get to talk about some pretty cool stuff with some cool people here.
0: Cool stuff, cool people. All right. Uh, And this is episode 112. And today's show is sponsored by DigitalOcean and TopTal. TopTal. That's T-O-P-T-A-L. We'll tell you a bit more about them later in the show, but TopTot connects startups, businesses, and organizations to a growing network of elite engineers around the world. So pretty cool stuff there. TopTot.com slash developer if you want to apply. Uh, but DigitalOcean, I'm pretty excited about this. So DigitalOcean's been supporting the show for for a bit now. We we partnered with them a couple months back. And, you know, we've been telling you about DigitalOcean for quite some time and all the while kind of being envious, waiting to get hosted on blazing fast ssd uh, cloud servers and and i gotta say that this past week we pulled the trigger uh i was a little intimidated because if andrew like you you know me i'm not much of a hacker i'm i'm more of a front-end guy right Mm -hmm. so i built an ubuntu server this this past week i built a web server Uh, it would not have happened unless i got over that intimidation hurdle thanks to digital ocean tutorials they got some really rock-solid tutorials on building a lamp stack on uh, on Ubuntu. So really thrilled about that, and I kind of got over that. So if you're out there and you're like, man, I want to use some really cutting-edge, super-awesome hosting, and DigitalOcean sounds just like that, well, guess what it is. But get over that Intimidation Hurdle, because they got some really good tutorials in the show notes. We're going to link out to them. Uh, and I hope to kind of do a digestion of what I've done and kind of what I've learned, too. And I've, I've learned lots of cool new tricks this week, so I, I can't wait to share them with you. And if you got any questions... Say hello on Twitter or whatever. We'll 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 sync up on it. But uh, backups, snapshots, root, root access, resizing of your uh, of your droplet, an awesome, simple, easy to use dashboard just just phenomenal. We love DigitalOcean and uh, we want you to try DigitalOcean today for free using our promo code. It's changelog sent me. That's changelog sent me, which will give you a ten dollar hosting credit or two months free. So head to DigitalOcean and uh, become awesome today. DigitalOcean dot and we, we got some awesome people in the house today, Andrew. We got uh, Jonathan Smiley and uh, Mark Hayes from Zurb. We're, gonna hear, we're here talking about Foundation, Foundation 5. And I guess you guys, Jonathan, you guys got some crazy stuff going on there. So, uh, Andrew, kick off the show for us, man.
1: Yeah, so like you said, we're here with uh, Jonathan and Mark from Zurb, and we're here to talk about Foundation 5, and also talk about a new project that they got, I don't know when they released it, so we'll let them kind of kick it off and introduce. So uh, Jonathan, why don't you kind of give us an introduction to who you and Mark are, and Mark can kind of weigh in too, and tell us a little bit about Zurb, for those who don't know, and and what we're going to talk about.
2: Yeah, I can do that. Uh, So hi, everybody. Uh, My name is Jonathan Smiley. I'm one of the partners here at Zurb. Uh, I'm here with Mark Hayes. He's one of our senior engineers. Uh, Zurb is a product design company in Campbell, California. We're down at the south end of uh, Silicon Valley. If you ask all the agencies up in the city, that's the uncool end of the valley, but whatever. Screw those guys. (laughs) That's not true. (laughs) Um, But uh, we've been around for – Zurb actually been around for a little over 15 years now. Uh, I've been with Zurb for five, and Mark, you've been here for
3: two and a half. Two years and a half? Before uh, we released the first version of Foundation, feels
2: like a lot longer than two and a half years that you've been here. But time flies when you're crazy busy. Um, but uh, we've got a, a, a number of projects that we have going on at any given time. Uh, the ones that we're uh, we, that we want to talk to you guys about, uh, and that we're we're like neck deep in right now, are uh, Foundation, uh, which is an open source framework that we developed uh, a couple of years ago now. Uh, for building responsive websites uh, it's it was I think actually the first like basically feature complete responsive framework uh, so we've been uh, we 've been working on that for a couple of years, and we have a, an all new version of that coming out on Thursday next week, so a week from today actually well, a week from today as we 're sitting here recording it yes. um, <laughs> <laughs> that 's true this yeah, Thursday. It's coming out uh, on the 21st. Uh, and then we also just recently released – it was only – was Ink last week?
1: Yeah.
2: God, it feels like long yeah, ago. We
0: covered that too. We we uh, It was actually wasn't we. It was one of us, Jared Santo, our managing editor. He he was like, Adam, do you see this yet? And I think uh, – Andrew, I think Kelly's using Ink. Um, he was an early adopter, showed me this like I think a month back. But I think you guys just released – didn't you have like some earlier version of Ink though that was like responsive?
2: We had a uh, – so – so ink is, uh, ink is like foundation, but for emails, <laughs> um, we had about a year ago, almost a year ago, uh, we developed some basically responsive email templates, just some, yes. some basic responsive template files, uh, that we offered up through our playground. Uh, we have a playground where we basically just dump like weird, interesting code experiments, Um, But we posted the responsive templates to that, and they've been really, really popular actually over the course of the last about a year, I think. Um, And that actually sort of compelled us to create an entire framework out of that. Uh, The templates suffered from a couple big problems. One was that since they weren't really frameworkized, I guess, uh, they're a little harder to, to build your own stuff from scratch. They were pretty easy to adapt to whatever purposes you needed, but it was harder to kind of build your own thing. Uh, they also had a really big flaw which is that they didn't work in outlook uh, which it turns out is kind of tremendously important for rich emails outlook is still obnoxiously popular and not for us that's good yeah. cuz it's a complete <laughs> idiot about how it does rich emails outlook I'm is I'm thankful is for the that worst. though cuz
0: only half of the people in the Change Low Weekly's list half of the the subscribers we have are all in iOS like nice. either either an iPhone an iPad or an actually, actually a Mac device. So we like half of our market is, is Mac. That's a, that's a phenomenal,
2: that's a big win. Cause it's kind of a nightmare to have to support Outlook, especially if you're doing responsive emails, cause Outlook just doesn't support anything. <laughs> so we had to do a lot of, uh, a lot of work to get the framework to actually work in Outlook, but we did get it to work. It actually does work in pretty much every popular email client, I think one of the only ones that we really explicitly don't support is Lotus. So those guys are kind of screwed. Um, <laughs> but everybody else, everybody else we should had, be good to go.
1: On our show last week, we had he was on talking about uh, he was kind of pumping Lotus up a little bit. He was like, you know, the email Lotus notes it kind of sucks, but Lotus was notes was really capable of doing some cool things. So we got the yin and the yang. This week we're just bashing Lotus apparently. Yeah.
2: Uh, it's it's an easy <laughs> target to pick on, and I've had to use it before too. It's a, I will uh, to be totally honest. I'll give Lotus this. I'm actually not sure if its email handling is worse than Outlook's. It might be a little better than Outlook's, but mm-hmm. it has a pretty small group of users, so it does not get a lot of attention.
1: <laughs> yeah, and in some ways, though, I mean the, we we've talked about this a few times too. They they're kind of pioneers, right? I mean, they kind of started to tackle some of this stuff before anyone else was really tackling it. So. You guys could probably understand well, as doing Foundation that you run into issues that when you're kind of blazing trails, you, you actually have to figure out how to solve the issues. And then the people that come behind you, uh, they're like, the problems are already solved. They just put their own spin on those things.
2: Oh, yeah. We've, we've seen that numerous times. There have been a lot, of, uh, a lot of frameworks that have popped up in the wake of Foundation uh, that yeah. in some cases actually started as just straight-up Foundation forks uh, yeah. and then gradually became their own thing. Which yeah. is cool, and I mean they they do some interesting stuff of their own, and we can learn from some of the things that they do. And uh, it's it must be nice that a lot of the problems are already solved. <laughs>
1: Right. Yeah. And that's what we talked about. Like, and maybe you guys can get into this a little bit, but, but, um, I can't remember off the top of my head right now what we were talking about, but when the competitor comes up, oh yeah, we were talking about Capistrano and Vlad, the deployer came up and they were like, their tagline was sucks less than Capistrano. (laughs) And, and it's like, you know, that's, that's really taking a shot at somebody who really solved all of your problems that now you're just, like, you already know the solutions and you're just making it more efficient. Uh-huh. And to take a shot like that is to diminish the work that they did to make your life easier at this point. And so when those guys come up as foundation, you know, like you said, some are just literally forks of foundation. And when they come up and they start, you know, advertising as better than foundation, mm-hmm. then, well, that's kind of flattering that they're obviously even, con- you know, that you guys are the the bane of their, the, the whole, like message of their marketing. But at the same time, like it's almost like a uh, bite in the hand that feeds you, you know, like you wouldn't be able to do this if we didn't solve the problems for you in the first place.
2: Yeah, there's definitely a degree of that. And there's been a couple of times when we've crossed paths with some of the other frameworks and they've kind of, I don't want to say they got on our nerves, but they kind of got on our nerves. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, yeah, that's, that's, that's nice. And we're, we're glad you're doing your own thing, but we're, st- I don't know. We're, we,
1: Show some respect, young ones. Kind of
2: yeah. that, or we just sort of, you know, we just sort of like, you know, play nice and then get off the get off the email or get off the phone. It's kind of be like, yeah, we're going to destroy that. But. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, since we, Andrew, you said young ones, so let's can we give a perspective on the age of Foundation and kind of when it be? I know we just was talking about ink and email and Lotus there, but you know, you just kind of talked about framework. So how old is Foundation?
2: So Foundation is just over two years old. Or just about two years old, I'm pretty sure.
3: I think it came out September 2011. I yeah,
2: I think it was September of 2011, so it's just over two years old now. Um, no, that, that's
1: version two. That that was two years old. That right? was so version that was the first two, public version. Yeah,
2: version one actually never saw the light of day. We only used it internally here at Zurb uh, and Foundation One actually was not responsive. <laughs> um, nice. The interesting thing about Foundation 1 and actually Foundation's predecessor, which was something called the Zerb Coded Style Guide, uh, is that the Zerb Coded Style Guide was actually the uh, the genesis of Foundation. It was also in a lot of ways, and I think Mark would probably, other Mark, not this Mark, different Mark, would back me up on this. Uh, it was also the genesis of Bootstrap. <laughs> uh because Bootstrap was actually developed by Mark Otto, who was a designer here at Zurb when I was when I started, and he and I worked on the the coded style guide together. He went to Twitter and created That's Twitter Blueprint. Good I didn't know about. Oh yeah, it's a, there's a whole uh, inside baseball thing for this. Um, if yeah, if you go back and look at uh, the first public release of Bootstrap and the first public release of a uh, foundation, you'll find that they are extraordinarily similar because uh, they came from a very similar. They came from the same starting point. In fact, uh, same story with uh, Skeleton, which comes up still a little bit now and then, which is like an adaptive framework.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, Skeleton was actually written by a guy named Dave Gamache, uh, who worked with me on Foundation One uh, before he left Zurb and made Skeleton. Uh, so it was a whole... All three of those frameworks, Foundation and Skeleton and Bootstrap, uh, in some way or form, had their start uh, here at Zurb, so we're pretty proud of that's all awesome. That. That's awesome. Yeah, cool. I didn't even
0: know that. I mean, that's, I can imagine anybody listening is like, whoa, I found this out on the changelog." That's awesome. Do you guys say that often? Is this like We don't say new it a news? lot and
2: it's, we, we say it a little bit. It's kind of, it's kind of funny because like uh, the guy behind uh, Bootstrap, Mark Otto, well, there's another guy too, uh, Jacob, uh, yeah. who works on a lot of JavaScript stuff. But uh, Mark, uh, we, I mean, like Foundation and Bootstrap get compared a lot. There's a lot of like articles out there and big, you know, spreadsheet-driven checklists or whatever of, like, what does Bootstrap do and what does Foundation do and which one would I use or which one is better and most of them end with something along the lines of, you know, Foundation's better for this particular thing and Bootstrap's better for this particular thing and everybody thinks we're very confrontational or very, I don't know, I don't know what the word is, angry and violent about the whole thing. The, the funny thing, actually, is that uh, Mark Otto and I are actually pretty good friends. We, like, play StarCraft and stuff now and then. He's terrible. <laughs> um, but, uh, we've, I mean, we've, we've kept in touch this whole, the, the whole time for some of this stuff we've been to each other's like launch parties and that kind of stuff. So it's at the end of the day, I mean, there's, there's definitely like a competitive angle to some of it. And I, I'm certainly not going to say that we don't want to beat bootstrap cause we do. Um, but it's at least a reasonably friendly competition. It's at least a, you know, everybody wants to make better tools and make it easier to make better stuff. So let's all just do our thing and, and it'll, it'll shake out in the end.
1: Right, I mean, it, it keeps you guys moving too, right. If it was only you guys, then we might not have seen five major releases in the last two years
2: that's true it it has It has definitely kept us moving, and we we stay pretty aggressive with Foundation. In fact, we already have tentative dates floating around for the next version of foundation, so we we don't ever want to stop
1: mm-hmm. well let's talk a little bit about foundation five so. When Foundation 4 came out, I mean, I personally remember, I was like, okay, a lot of stuff at that point kind of got rolled into Foundation um, itself. I think, was that 4 or 3 where all the JavaScript stuff got rolled into it? I guess that was 4. And... I remember thinking like, okay, that, that was a pretty big milestone, and then Foundation 5 comes around, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, I wonder what you guys are going to really be focusing on here, and reading the, the blog post that we'll link to in the show notes, that seems like one of the big focuses that you guys are putting into Foundation 5 is speed. Yeah. Am I off base there, or is that right?
2: No, that's, I think that's, I'd say that's pretty much the thesis of Foundation Or the need like the for Five. speed,
1: which one is it? Yeah, <laughs> speed, baby, speed. We
2: feel so, the need for speed. Tell us a little bit about that. What is speed. the... Uh,
1: yeah, what's the impetus behind that, and and um, you know what w- what does that mean for the for the user of Foundation Five?
2: Sure. So we've with each release of Foundation, we've tried to have like sort of an overarching. You know, what's the what's the goal of this release? We don't want to just bump the number because we like to bump the number. I mean, we do like to bump the number, <laughs> um, but we want there to be some sort of reason. Uh, like you were talking about, like it was four was. Uh, there were a few big pushes with four. One was that we did better integrate all the JavaScript stuff. We we did a lot of work to actually have the the JavaScript components be a really integral to the framework. Uh, we also four was
3: uh, we had the whole move towards mobile first yeah. in Foundation four. So that
2: was that was huge. That was a big change. Foundation four was we switched everything to be totally to be everything to be mobile first, and that was. Some of that was driven actually because uh, Luke Rabluski, who literally wrote the book Mobile First mm-hmm. uh, and has been on the Mobile First Warpath forever, uh, is an advisor for Zurb. Uh, and over the course of a bunch of lunches and stuff, he sort of uh, bludgeoned uh, me into making Foundation Mobile First, <laughs> which I think was actually it was a good move. It was a, it was a smart move, uh, but he had to really work at it for a little while. So with Foundation Five, the the thing that we're seeing now is. So frameworks have been around for a little while now, and there's quite a few of them at this point. I mean, everybody's seems like everybody's trying to get in the game now. Like Yahoo's got their own thing coming out that's even separate from UI. They've got Pure. Pure is them, right? Yeah. Is Yahoo. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've got Pure. I think Google's even maybe trying to get in the game. They've been, been floating some sort of weird stuff around, like they're going to get into this, the framework space. So everybody's kind of doing their thing, and it's becoming a more mature uh, field, I guess you could say. And so now what we're running up against is that we know at least a little bit of how to do responsive design. And we know a little bit about how the, how these frameworks ought to work and how they ought to help you build stuff. What we haven't seen enough of really is optimization or uh, speed sort of across the idea of a framework. Um, We want foundation to be Fast, essentially, in a lot of different ways—not just in terms of how quickly it can be delivered, although we're doing work there too, or how quickly you know pages can load or what we can do to optimize. Although we've done some, I think, pretty interesting stuff in that in that vein, and I'll, I'll, I can talk about that. Um, but we want Foundation Five to be faster for people to learn. We want Foundation Five to be faster for people to actually build with, to actually write the code. We want that to be faster. Uh, we want it to be faster uh, when it performs and be more performant uh, because we. We think that since the tools exist now and the tools are reasonably well defined, uh, what we can really do with Foundation uh, to help this ecosystem along is just lower the barrier to entry even more uh, in as much as we can get more people up to speed on Foundation, we can get more people up to speed on, uh, no pun intended by the way, um, more people up to speed on uh, how they're actually going to build stuff and help them build things more quickly Uh, Just so that we can have more, frankly, just have more responsive stuff built and have responsive stuff that's built well also be built quickly, Uh, because the pace of this stuff doesn't slow down. Like, the pace of web development, especially, is preposterously fast. I mean, we're on Foundation 5 now. That's only in the space of two years. Responsive design at all is only about three years old, just over three years Mm -hmm. old. So this is not like a you know, we haven't been doing this for like decades or anything like that. Like this has been a a, a little while. In fact, <laughs> I realized this when I was, uh, I was doing a little bit of research the other day. I actually didn't even quite realize, but CSS at all, like CSS, we're all like super used to CSS. And it's like, oh, CSS, obviously we build everything. CSS. CSS is only about 13 years old.
1: Yeah. Say 12. Yeah.
2: Like it's, it's just not that old. Like I can think back to when very easily when CSS came out and it's like it feels like we've been doing it forever but we haven't so everything goes I can remember really the fast. days when
0: it was still being debated like should we use tables or should we use CSS uh-huh. to like style things and uh-huh. like you know Eric Meyer had written written some books on it and he was like you know I can remember those days it wasn't very long ago you're right I mean right. Like, this is still like the it's still a baby you know it's yeah. still yeah. an adolescent barely
1: Well yeah. it speaks to the kind of the industry you can go back and read a lot of those books and they don't feel outdated now the the the, the the like obviously the concepts seem outdated because we know yeah. better. But like if you're new to the industry and, and I've you you all dealt with this right? Like a, somebody a friend of yours that wants to start learning this stuff is new to the industry and they go pick up one of these books and they're like, "Yeah, this book from 2004 uh, seems good and the information all seems good." And you're telling them like you're reading stuff that nobody cares about anymore. Right. Like <laughs> in this industry, ten years is like uh, eons, you know?
2: Right? And yeah, so it, so we're kind of figuring if things are moving this quickly, and I mean. At this point, it's like every six months or less, like the entire motif of web design, the entire like approach to how some of this stuff works might change. Uh, We want people to be able to do things more quickly and build things more quickly uh, so that they can actually get something done before everything just passes them by. Um, And that goes double for us because we, I would would hazard a guess that we are probably one of the most prolific shops of writing stuff in Foundation, obviously, because it's what we write everything in. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do all of our client work in Foundation. We have anywhere from 12 to 16 or so clients at a time. Um, so we do all of our client work in Foundation. We do all of our projects in Foundation. All of our sites, all of our properties are, uh, are written with Foundation or being written with Foundation. Uh, so we want it to be fast because we have to do it all the time and we want to be more right. efficient.
1: So you say that it's not just the the speed of, you know, optimizing the code itself, but it's also the speed of learning, the speed of, you know, how long it takes to get up and up and running with it. So what does that mean for the user? Like somebody that's familiar with Foundation 4, how will Foundation 5 be different for them?
0: Sure. So, so
3: Foundation 5 go. actually shouldn't be that much different from Foundation 4 from a user's perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, all, the, all the naming of our JavaScript files and our SAS variables, there's... Very little that changed on that front. Uh, the only thing that has changed is the way that you could selectively import parts of foundation uh, has changed, so it's easier to pick and pull what you need from foundation so if you don't need everything, you don't have to use everything so mm-hmm. that's that's probably the biggest point. And we also have some uh, additional new components in, in Foundation five, which we'll talk about a little bit later uh, in this in this program uh, right.
2: But we've been, uh, I mean, as far as, like, getting people up to speed on stuff, like, we're rewriting all the documentation. Uh, in fact, we're in the middle of that right now, which is going to bring us right up to the wire. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you but, got a week.
1: Uh, what are do you yeah. doing wasting time on this show?
2: Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> we're, we're thinking about the docs that we still have to write while we talk to you. <laughs> um, but we're rewriting all the documentation so that that'll be, it's, it's going to have a lot more uh, examples, a lot more code stuff that you can pull from. Nice. Uh, and just drop right into whatever you're working on. Uh, it's it's much more – it's better organized. It's much more verbose than what we had before, at least as far as just example code. That was some feedback that we consistently got was – you guys describe a lot of the things that's going on in here. I want to actually just like see it and be able to grab it and drop it. Um, gotcha. So we're doing a lot of work there. That's a neat uh,
0: concept too. We When we had um, – remind me of his Luchik, I believe, semantic UI – Mm-hmm. oh yeah that was a big component of what he talked about with semantic UI was that you know he wanted it to be easily to grab like one component or one if you just wanted the grid you can use the grid only or if you wanted certain components you can easily pull that and it didn't have the the javascript and dependencies were separate well enough styles and all that stuff was, was very um, compartmentalized really well
2: yeah and we've done a lot of work for that for foundation 5 I know we've we've tried to make it as fast and easy as possible to say you want to pull in just a particular thing I think we even manage all the dependencies and stuff for you now don't we mm-hmm. yeah um, is that true so for true. the
1: like what do you guys prefer do you guys prefer the I don't know how to describe the standalone installation of foundation or like for a, for a let's say a Rails project do you prefer the gem installation that you guys are using
3: uh, for the Rails installation we use the gem just because the asset pipeline takes care of bringing in all the javascript and the, the sass files for us mm-hmm. uh, but for non-Rails projects, uh, we've been using Bower a lot recently. Uh, makes makes it really easy to grab the latest version of uh, Foundation. This is something new we're uh, paying more attention to with Foundation Five. So, but but definitely the the Rails Gym uh, is the way to go, especially so that we don't have uh, our designers go in and accidentally muck up the original uh, Foundation or uh, JavaScript files, <laughs> which makes upgrading you know potential problem. Right.
1: So well, that's what kind of what I was going to get into a little bit is is the upgrade path. So a lot of people who use, so like specifically when we're talking about Rails projects, or just general people who are using you know Ruby or Bundler, you know however they're using it, they're used to just being able to you know bundle update, and for the most part it just works. And is, do you think that that's you, you said that Foundation Five should be pretty similar to Foundation Four? So is there much much changes that need to happen for the upgrade path if you're if you're using like a standard installation?
3: So in terms of SaaS variables, no, we, we have introduced some new SAS variables for defining the the new uh, breakpoints uh, that are used for the media queries. Uh, but for the JavaScript, we've actually created a, a shim that we'll include with mm-hmm. up until Foundation 5.1 that will take care of. Uh, we had a few plugins. I'm trying to think. Uh, Joyride was one of them where we used camel case to name some variables. Uh, and it wasn't consistent where we were using underscores everywhere else. So we've... Made everything consistent uh, in that sense, uh, but we have a shim that will go through it and uh, adjust. If you're using the wrong variable names, it'll adjust the variables for you, uh, and we'll include that. It will include that up until five point one, just so that if you're using 5.0, things that aren't going to break right away.
1: Right. And so then, at five point one, it'll break, and it's up to them to go back and fix all their junk.
3: Yes, but we have some deprecation notices. So if you're using okay. Foundation, you'll actually see in your Chrome console if you're using something that is deprecated. So if you don't see any warnings, 5.1 should be just as trivial of an upgrade as 5.0 is. Right.
2: And I know when we went from uh, so when we went from Foundation 3 to Foundation 4, we changed a lot of just yeah. markup syntax. Uh, some yeah. of that was because we went mobile first. Some of that was because we we just needed to rethink how we were doing some of this stuff. Um, so there were some pretty large philosophical changes, I guess, in that one. There's foundation four to five has a lot less big philosophical changes, I guess, to it that are in, in that kind of vein. So I know things like the grid syntax and that kind of stuff you can leave unchanged. Uh, you'll Mm -hmm. have some in foundation five, you'll have some more toys to play with. Um, but you shouldn't have to go through all your markup and make a whole lot of of big, stringent changes. We're going to have a migration guide for for 4 to 5, but it should be pretty straightforward. It shouldn't be like the uh, the 3 to 4. I don't know if I can call it a debacle, but there was at least a decent amount of legwork that had to go into upgrading from 3 to 4. 4 to 5 should be pretty straightforward.
1: Yeah, now you guys, I don't know if you actually follow semantic versioning, but when you when you do major changes like that from three to four, it's perfectly acceptable to break, right? It's perfectly acceptable for it not to work the same or to have some pains with upgrading. But what's interesting to me is for th- something like Foundation, I-, I think a lot of people are are okay with that, with other tools. But for something like Foundation, it's just like you constantly want the newest because it feels like the newest is leveraging like modern technologies mm-hmm. so much better than the previous version. Mm-hmm. So I wonder why people aren't as forgiving with foundation or something like that when it's a major version change as they would be with another project.
3: Well, we have a lot of our, uh, a lot of people using foundation are using it for client work. So if somebody is working with foundation part way through and they encounter an issue and we need to push out fixes for that, we want our customers or our users feeling very comfortable just upgrading anytime so that they can get the latest and greatest code so so you're right we we definitely can make breaking changes if we absolutely need to but if you don't have to or you can like find a way to yeah we it just it i've been in the position where like even like in rails projects if you upgrade a gem and and it's a new major version and it breaks things it's acceptable but it's still annoying and i don't know (laughs) i always have the i don't know I just it's really annoying, especially if, if i don't have time to i need to upgrade but it just yeah um, yeah you it's like a
1: it's a double-edged sword right when it fixes a problem that you had to work around before but it breaks something that you're depending on now so it's kind of like you don't know whether i should upgrade and spend the time or just still deal with the problem that i'm having now
3: yeah exactly i feel like i almost i i almost don't trust the authors as much if they keep making breaking changes i'm more inclined to just want to leave uh not use a particular gym anymore if it changes every time I, I bump major versions
0: i was gonna say especially you know we talked a little bit earlier like the competition level that you're facing in the framework world you know that's the world you're playing in so the harder you make the upgrade path or the more bumpy it might be i mean you're gonna have some changes obviously with the you know like andrew said that are acceptable but if you can minimize that you probably stand a chance of like Shiny objects not getting their attention, right?
2: Right, right, and it's yeah, it's totally a it's totally a two edged sword because we can't we can't sit on our laurels and just like do you know teeny tiny little changes that don't really impact anything because we need to keep making big sweeping changes uh, in order to stay ahead of any kind of competition. Um, But anytime we do that, yeah, we risk. I mean, it's a funnel, right? Everybody who, everybody who uses a current version of Foundation when the new one comes out, everybody wants to use it. We get. It, in some cases, it's, it's really sort of aggravating. We get so many requests for, <laughs> uh, for people who want to use Foundation 4 with really old versions of IE, like IE7 or IE8, which we don't actually technically support. But they, the funny thing is we actually kept Foundation 3 around specifically because Foundation 3 actually worked in IE8. So if people needed IE8 support, we were like, look, we still have like this supported, like it was good code, like it works well, like you can use Foundation 3, and what we always get is, but I don't want to use Foundation 3, I want to use Foundation 4.
1: (laughs) I want the shiny new.
2: Exactly, I want the shiny new thing, I just want that to work in IE8, and it's like, it it doesn't, like it doesn't work there, like I I don't know what to tell you, it's like, you can use 3, or you can try to make 4 work, and it's going to be a world of pain, but they they all want the shiny new thing. They all want yeah. that to work as far back as they can. And I know we're going to get it with Foundation Five. Is we'll get? Can I have Foundation Five that works in IE seven? Can I have Foundation Five that works in IE eight? And we'll continue to toe the line of well, no.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're pushing the web forward here, right? I mean, that's the point. Is as long as tools continue to coddle the old web, then it doesn't go forward,
2: right?
0: However, and I never understand that that debate. There, it always boggles my mind. It's 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 a
2: difficult it's not an easy decision for us. So this is actually, this is a thing that's actually come up a lot just with building a framework at all like this is that if you're trying to stay ahead of stuff, you have to make a lot of decisions where there's not a lot of precedent to fall back on. Mm-hmm. So we can't really look around and go, Oh, well this framework decided to drop law and this framework decided to keep support for this. We kind of have to just forge our own path, I guess, and then deal with whatever the the consequences of that are, which can be really, really awesome. And it feels like you're, you know, like, striding atop the world just, you know, dominating stuff and it feels great sometimes and then sometimes it's really frustrating, like dropping support for IE8 was a difficult decision because we do have a lot, a lot of people who really want or really need support for that kind of browser because they still cater to, you know, large enterprise, they want to use it for uh, whatever other kind of stuff they've got going on that uh, necessitates having that kind of support but we can't you know, we can't actually make the framework uh, do what we're what we need it to do in order for uh, in order to support those actual browsers. Like we, we couldn't do mobile first really and support IE8. That was actually the killer right. with IE8 is that IE8 doesn't support media queries. And for mobile first to work, you have to have media queries that kick in on larger and larger screens, and it's just not going to happen in IE8. So we couldn't we just couldn't make it work. Like when we went from Foundation. Uh, two to Foundation Three, we drop support for IE7 because IE7 doesn't support the uh, the border box uh, box sizing model, and we use that for literally everything. So we had to drop support for that. We and we got complaints about that, and we'll get complaints about eight, and we'll keep getting it. Um, but it's, I mean, I I feel bad when someone's like, I really want to use Foundation, but I have to support IE8, and it's like. Well, I I wish I could help you, but I just oh well. I can't, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. It's like <laughs> I wish there was something we could do, but there's just not. So, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I feel their I feel their pain because we've had to do that too, but that's just the way it goes.
0: We're going to pause for just a second. We'll come back. We're going to talk I think we're going to talk a little bit about responsive because you kind of touched a bit on that, and I think I want to talk a bit about, you know, what you're doing around that with with Foundation. But let's pause for a minute and give a shout out to our uh, sponsor number two, it's, uh They're an awesome sponsor of ours. And for those of you who are freelancing out there would like to be testing out a freelancing option or even trying out, you know, if you've got a full-time position and you're you're like, wow, well, I, maybe I would like to freelance. Maybe I can, you know, do some fun things with like Node or Rails or some cool edgy new technology, but you don't want to quit your day job. So you want to work kind of in a, a no-risk kind of freelance like project. Uh, Top Talk can enable you to do that. They're looking for some elite uh, senior engineers. You can work on special projects with companies like Airbnb, Artsy, IDEO, and and many others. Work remotely on a beach or anywhere in the world. It doesn't really matter. Uh, and I read a lot of Twitter bios out there that say like I do. You know, this thing, you know, like whether it's Java or something else during the day and then at night I'm hacking on or at night I'm a node hacker, at night I'm a Rails hacker or whatever. Well, that nighttime thing you can kind of do with TopTile. to get started, you can head to toptalcom slash developer and click join the best. And because they want to work with only the best senior engineers out there, they've got a well thought out four stage screening process. Uh, it involves a personal Skype conversation to get you started, to introduce you to who TopTile is, what their mission is, and see if you're a fit. And from end to end, the entire screening process includes an English speaking test, a time algorithm test, a quick technical interview with TopTal core engineers, as well as a test project. And once you've kind of gotten through that that process, there the sky's the limit. Uh, and if you think you have what it takes, to head head to toptal.com/developer right now to get started. And uh, tell them the ChangeLog sent you. And last week when I mentioned this, I did invite some people to give me some feedback. And we did get a little bit of feedback there, which is great because uh, it seems that some people are really, really enjoying their experience with TopTile. So uh, you can email me, adam at thechangelog.com. I want to hear what your experience is like. Uh, go to toptile.com slash developer. To get started, click the button that says join the best. So I, I know that uh, um, we were talking a little bit about uh, response to web design before the break here. Um, Andrew, did you have any notes on that? I, I know we kind of haven't really dove deeply into it yet.
1: Well, I mean, obviously everything foundation is responsive and I think ink the same way. But what I would like to kind of get into, because I mean, if you're, if you're here, you're familiar with, if you've, if you're using foundation at this point, you're familiar with responsive, just the idea of responsiveness. I'd like to kind of get into Foundation 5 and what's new with Foundation 5 and, and subsequently how you guys have altered the way that you're dealing. You know, you said that there's some different um, variables around your, your breakpoints and stuff like that. So, why don't we talk a little bit about just what's new with Foundation 5 and, and how it's changing how you're dealing with things like responsiveness and stuff?
2: Sure. I think the, I'll turn it over to Mark here to talk about it, but I think that probably the biggest thing that we've, or at least the one that we're, we're talking about the most because we're actually pretty excited about it. Is uh, uh, a plugin of ours called Interchange uh, that we actually we introduced the plugin in Foundation Four, but in one particular case, and in Foundation Five, we've changed it uh, pretty dramatically to do a lot of really cool stuff. But that's a big one for addressing responsive. I'll let Mark talk about it, though.
3: Oh, yeah. So Interchange—that's that's probably one of the the bigger components of uh, Foundation Five and we've taken the idea of just selectively loading uh, an image based on uh, a media query in your device. Since media queries, uh, we use some JavaScript to do this, but since media queries inherently don't allow you to prevent an image from being downloaded on a device, uh, interchange goes in with some JavaScript to make that happen so that you don't unnecessarily download multiple images on a small device. So we've Mm -hmm. taken the idea uh, over to HTML content so we can actually load in external HTML content with Interchange starting in Foundation 5. So if you have lots of content that may include images and all sorts of stuff that is not applicable to a uh, mobile device, you can now use Interchange to prevent that content from ever being pulled down to your device in the first place. So this is going to make your your websites feel just a little bit faster.
2: Um so the the use case that uh, that I like to throw out for this, and this actually this came from uh, from Luke again. This came from Luke Rabluski. Um, was that if you imagine like on a because if you build things mobile first with Foundation, and Foundation is built mobile first, so it's obviously encouraged to build things mobile first. If you're doing a page, for example, that has like uh, has a, a map or has directions or something like that on a mobile device, you may just want to load an image. You may just want to load a simple, single, you know, mobile optimized image for the location and you may want to have like a link to, to fire up somebody's native mapping application. Whereas mm-hmm. on a desktop you may want to include like a full-on interactive Google map. Now, in the past there hasn't really been a a way on the client side, or at least you know, without delving into backend device profiling or doing some sort of like HD access hackery, to say on mobile devices, I only want to load this image on On larger devices, I want to pull in, you know, a full-on Google Maps, something that has a lot of assets, a lot of requests, something that's going to be very heavy and taxing on the device. Um, But with Interchange now uh, in Foundation 5, I can actually say for, you know, for a given media query match for something that's like, you know, only a small device essentially, load this, this particular partial, which just includes an image then if we detect that this is a, a larger device, this is a device that has a larger screen, has, you know, is presumably more capable of dealing with a larger request, go ahead and load in a different partial, load in a different HTML section that has the, you know, the actual interactive Google Map, something like that. So we're taking the, the concept that we, uh, that we uh, inter- introduced with Interchange in Foundation 4, which was just loading, loading the right image for the right device. Now we want to be able to load the right just stuff for the right mm-hmm. device, which has been like a huge thorn in the side of responsive design for a long time because it was most obvious with images for a long time because unless you were doing stuff on the back end, which most people who work with foundation or build stuff with foundation, a lot of those people don't really actually have any access even to the back end or even really care about the back end. They're mostly mm-hmm. working on the front end. There was no way without dealing with the back end to say, you know, I only want to load the right asset for the right type of device. So with Interchange, we, we tried to do that for images Um, but this has been a huge problem and mobile devices are in some ways they're, they're (laughs) kind of stupid, uh, which is that if you, if you do want to load the right asset, Mm -hmm. you can't even do it by like hiding and showing the right assets because mobile devices will load every piece of media that's on that page, whether it's shown or not, they don't try to do anything smart about that. Mm -hmm. They're starting to, I think like the, the dev builds of Chrome on Android or something along those lines. We'll actually try to defer loading media if they're if it detects that they're hidden by default. But that's mm-hmm. gonna be a while till that's any kind of standard and we wanna just get out ahead of that. Yeah. So interchange is uh, one of the larger components of Foundation 5 that we've added and the ability to just uh, load arbitrary sections of uh, arbitrary chunks of HTML depending on a certain media query. We've tried to make that as straightforward and easy for a front end developer as we possibly can. It's actually pretty simple to deal with. So that right. was a big one.
1: And as this is a funny thing too, because if you look at like historically speaking with mobile devices, as there's been a kind of a a few things that have happened that have contributed ultimately to people paying more money for data, which is the data has been become increasingly faster, right? You have you have access to uh, a much just a much faster connection than you used to have. So subsequently, we've become comfortable with like mo- like making devices download more assets because we're not afraid of them sitting there waiting. And then because of you know optimizing these assets, we'd actually download twice as much because we give we download the mobile version and we download the desktop version. Mm-hmm. So all of that contributes to ultimately your little phone in your pocket costing you a lot more money. And with all the unlimited data plans going away, it's just like I mean, it just it's mind-boggling how the, the consumer is the one that's taking the hit for all of this stuff. Oh, so yeah. Interchange kind of in an off way aids that, right? Because you you don't have to download all of the content that is on the page just because you're trying to show a mobile optimized version of something.
2: Right, and I mean and it's, it's good for you too as the person who offers the site. I mean obviously it's good for consumers because they're going to have to wait less. They're going to have to pay less. They're going to use up less of their data, which I, I think it's actually kind of funny. Like if you don't have an unlimited data plan, which a lot of people don't anymore – If you have, like, a newer phone, like an LTE-enabled phone, like, you can burn through your data in less than five minutes if you're trying. Like, you can just... I mean, I I could fire up Netflix or whatever and just start playing, you know, some sort of HD episode of something, and it's going to look great on my phone, and it'll come down at LTE speed, and it'll burn through 200 megs in like four minutes. (laughs) Yeah, Um, it's crazy.
1: I did something like that. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I burnt through. I was driving from Texas to to Nashville, where I live at, and I went through like two and a half gigs on the trip, and I was just like, you know. I don't even really. Remember. It was like streaming RDO and just doing different things, and like with <laughs> just data consumption, I get home and it's like you've reached sixty percent of your plan. I was like, oh my gosh, like how yeah. did this happen?
2: It goes so fast, but it's still <laughs> and, and even uh, even with the speed of like LTE or the speed of like newer devices and newer networks, you still if, if you're if you're throwing the weight of of every kind of asset and every kind all the stuff that you need onto mobile devices and not really optimizing for it. People are still going to run into just slow to load pages. Like the latency mm-hmm. is still not good. The bandwidth is still, on average, in in the U.S. Mobile bandwidth is about a, f- a fourth or a fourth to a sixth. So it's 15 about 15 percent as fast as the average like wired or or uh, or home Wi-Fi speed. So it's still it's faster, but it's not like it's crazy fast. It's still quite a bit slower than than other kinds of connections are and the latency is still pretty high and that's just in the US mm-hmm. which actually does reasonably well we're not on top of the world by any means um right. but we do okay in in other countries especially in like uh uh Africa or you know Eastern Europe any of those kinds of areas or a, a lot of parts of Asia it's much much slower <laughs> uh and you have to contend with much uh, much more demanding constraints so it's it's getting better, but it's still you still have to optimize things, and there hasn't been a way to easily optimize a responsive site uh, for front end developers. We would say until now.
3: Well, we also uh, that brings up uh, I guess another good point is, uh, it, as as even a company who's hosting all this large content, uh, most likely uh, we you're using Amazon S three to store your images. If you're all your users are downloading these large images from your device, I mean every time somebody downloads an image that they don't look at, you're paying the bill for them to do that.
0: Yeah. On that note, I mean, something we covered recently and for subscribers of the Change Law Weekly, you'll probably remember this. We, I think it was in issue issue 13, actually. So last, the most recent issue, we talked about pre-browsing, which is kind of like a different topic, but mm-hmm. in the same vein. Um, you know, what are you guys' thoughts on pre-browsing, like using the, the rel tag prefetch to, to kind of, Pre-render or kind of go prefetch a URL. It doesn't quite change, you know, what interchange is doing, which is choosing which asset to pull or and whatnot. But it it's still in this like front end optimization, I guess, even somewhat anticipation of what the user mm-hmm. wants. You know,
2: I thought when uh, when uh, when prefetching or the you know the rel tag for it or whatever became really available to use in any kind of browser, which was not terribly long ago. That was maybe a year ago. It was not particularly long ago that it became available at all. It's a really cool idea that I think has a lot of maybe unexpected ramifications, and it's a little harder to use than than it might seem at first glance. I think it's great from a user perspective, from a user experience perspective. I think it's great if you can do it right, if you can get it right. Because if you if you're on a page and we know with some uh, some certainty where you're going to go next. If that can already be loaded, then obviously it's great to click a link and just see the next page and not wait for anything. That's awesome.
0: I almost feel like it could be kind of. I I don't want to deviate the topic, but it's kind of a neat thing to think about. Like if you were hovering a particular uh, target, you know, like the mouse or the. And I guess on a touch device, this doesn't quite apply because you don't really have the hover effect. But you know, I mean, you kind of lose it there, which does kind of suck. But if you're on a desktop, you know, you're hovering a particular element, you might anticipate they're going to click the button, and if they do, you can kind of prefetch maybe temporarily and start pulling down some assets. And if they don't, then you know, kind of kill. Prefetch, so maybe dynamically apply the rel tag. I just wanted to know what your thoughts are on it because it's all around this speed, you know, your need for speed. So
2: (laughs) the the cool thing about it is, yeah, it's like an instance like that where you you can either predict based on their behavior where they're probably going to go next, then do it that way, or uh, what we've actually what we've actually even tried to do ourselves is to look at analytics and just go, okay, if they're on this page most of the time, the next place they go is here. So we'll actually try to we'll try to selectively apply the prefetch uh, uh, property to that page. Now the downside is that I mean on a, on your laptop at your at your office Wi-Fi that's kind of uh, to some extent irrelevant whether we get it right or wrong. I mean if we get it wrong then it's going to be a little bit of a slower load. It's faster if we get it right, but the data and everything like that's kind of uh, unnecessary. Or it doesn't really make any difference. On somebody's phone though, if we get it wrong, we just cost them money. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, true. We cost them money. We probably cost us money because we're hosting it. Uh, if we're – and you, you don't really have any way of predicting. Like you said, like there's no hover. So you can't use their behavior to necessarily predict what they're going to do next. You could maybe try to use position on the page, something like that. But even then, if you're trying to do it predictively, uh, God help you if you like get it wrong and you've done it three or four times while they're <laughs> on the same page. Like, right. Then you're just then you're just screwing them. <laughs> um, and I think – I'd have to actually check, but I think – uh, some a lot of mobile browsers, if they are prefetching stuff, they don't technically consider the 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 entirety of the of the sort of like fetching transaction to be done until the prefetching is also done, which can give the perception that it's also a, taking a lot longer to load than it really is. Oh wow! Or at least you'll still see sort of like the little data ticker, like on most devices, you can kind of see mm-hmm. when network traffic is happening. The page might be fully loaded, but there's still something going on. And I know there's some people who actually notice that and kind of feel like something is not quite right. I guess yeah. it's almost a little too transparent. I think it's a super cool idea. I think it should probably only be used when you're pretty confident. Um, I think analytics are a good way to do that. We've done it so that, uh, I know we've done this in the past with some of our apps, uh, or with some of our sites is that if our analytics say that if someone's on a certain page more than 80%, more than 90% of the time they go to this other page next, we'll, we can be pretty confident in that and we'll, we'll, potentially take the hit because um, it is just a really cool experience if you like go to click on something and it's just there like it's just even on a desktop that's cool if it's just like boom it's done it just feels nice um, so that can be that can be really cool I think it's I think it's interesting tech I think you just have to know what you're doing awesome it's kind of a so, rambling <laughs> answer to that
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah what, what are Andrew's like yeah again? yeah it was rambly. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no
1: so we're kind of up against it here. Uh, anything else you want to cover in Foundation Five? Uh, kind of a sales pitch before we just briefly mention Ink a little bit.
2: Uh, yeah, we can like do a, a, a quick little laundry list of uh, of things just to watch out for in the new uh, the new Foundation. We've finally, by popular request, integrated the off canvas layouts into Foundation, um, which are those uh, those like uh, those patterns where you can have navigation or some other side panel like kind of slide in from the side, like it's off the screen. Uh we've done a, a whole new implementation of that that's all hardware accelerated. It's actually really smooth, it's really cool. Um and that's actually baked into Foundation now, so we will not have to field any more questions about how to integrate it with Foundation, it'll just be there. <laughs> yeah. Um that'll be nice. Uh we've also we've redone like we've redone tabs, there was a lot of stuff about that. Uh we've written an all-new uh actually for the the nerdy amongst the audience. We've written a new command line interface uh, for spinning up stuff in Foundation, which Mark knows a lot better than I do, but it's... It's,
3: it's, a, it's just a little wrapper for creating a new compass project, uh, so you don't have to type in all the compass create-r reserve foundation using foundation and set up mm-hmm. a gym file for yourself, which we get a lot of questions about, so it just helps you to uh, not have to write all those commands. You can, you can use our CLI and say Foundation New, and then your project name, and it can take care of the rest for you.
1: Nice. Hmm. You're so leveraging Libsass, is that right?
3: Uh, that's actually, so that would be something else. We're using Libsass locally for within the Foundation repo to generate the documentation. Uh, oh, okay. So now with that we've tested Foundation in Libsass, if you wanted to use Foundation in a non-Ruby project, we can safely say that Libsass is going to work for you. There were a few things that we were doing that, didn't quite, I think it was the opacity filter. There's some known bug in Libsass that it wasn't working, but it seems to all work now. And it we took our compile times down from about four to five seconds to less
2: than half a second. Mm-hmm. Absolutely incredible. Right. And then the, the one last thing that I probably, well, there's uh, two very quickly. One is that we've also integrated FastClick, FastClick.js, uh, into the whole thing, just because the the 300 millisecond delay you get on touch devices when you it's click on stuff. It's just super annoying, and it just makes everything yeah. feel slow. And FastClick is actually pretty well done and pretty reliable, so we went ahead and just integrated that. Um, so that'll just hopefully make things just feel snappier when you use Foundation to build stuff. And then we've also added a medium grid size, which people have been clamoring for. Uh, previously, we had a small grid size and a large grid size you could specify. Now you can specify when in between uh, using just uh, just classes. So that's been integrated hmm. across the board, so there's medium sizes for pretty much everything now. Awesome. So definitely, uh, definitely some stuff coming, uh, pretty much everything there. I mean, there's some stuff that's just by popular request. We went ahead and included right. and we wanted to have those components, but the, the big thesis is that we're hoping this will be the fastest foundation to use the fastest foundation to, uh, uh, to build with the fastest foundation to learn and the fastest one to actually deliver to people. So.
1: And that comes out next Thursday, right?
2: Comes out next Thursday. It comes out on the twenty first, November twenty first. And actually I can I'll I'll do this on the on the podcast thing. If you're actually in the Silicon Valley area, we're having a launch party on the twenty first. If you let us know at Zerb somehow, you can catch us on Twitter or whatever. Uh we will extend an invitation to you and you can come get drunk with us.
1: Awesome. <laughs> get drunk, it's a be good foundation. But, exactly.
2: Um... <laughs> well you don't have to get drunk, you can just watch us do nice. it. So.
1: <laughs> cool. So yeah briefly, we talked about Ink a little bit. Uh, give us the elevator pitch of Ink. Well, we don't have a lot of time left, so...
2: I'll do... I can do like a 30-second elevator pitch for Ink because it's really cool. Ink is foundation for responsive emails. So if you want to create rich emails that uh, work on lots of different kinds of devices, they will actually... Uh, you know, they'll actually work basically responsively If they're on smaller devices, you can have a grid that actually works, that actually reshuffles things and moves things around in a kind of a responsive way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can use Ink to build that. We have all the documentation for it and everything written up. Uh, you can just find it at zerb.com slash Inc. Um, but we've uh, started using it for all of our newsletters and stuff like that. Uh, it works in pretty much every major uh, mail client, including Outlook, including ones that don't support responsive stuff at all, <laughs> uh, which was no small feat and a source of a great deal of stress for uh, various people on the team who had to work on that. Um, but it's it's pretty cool. And email kind of gets the short end of the stick sometimes because it's like, ew, emails. Um, but email is still like the number one way of actually connecting with an audience, and it's still one of the... Absolutely most prevalent like means of communication and staying in touch with an, an audience, keeping them engaged. Rich emails are like kind of a big deal. But uh, Ink will has stuff already built into it, like a grid like foundation, it has buttons built in like foundation, it has a lot of sort of like those components you'd expect from a framework, but in an email context. So it's it's the only thing like it that I know of. Uh, and it's it's pretty cool. That came out last week.
1: Gotcha. So that you said this, I think, right? Zurb.com slash I-N-K. I N K.
2: I N K. Yep. It's a, we, we wanted to figure out what would be a word for it, which is essentially the way foundation is the foundation of building a website. We wanted ink to be one of the foundations of writing something. So ink, it was, it was between Mm. that and like a pen or a quill or something like that. But if we called it ink, that also gave us the opportunity to have a really cool squid for a mascot.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. And (laughs) he's got in, in one of, in each one of his tentacles, he's got like a different device. It's like perfect representation of emails.
2: Yep. (laughs) so yeah that's uh that's out now it's uh you can you can download it and use it there's documentation and we support it and everything so awesome and that's also all open source it's on github you can download the whole repo you can submit pull requests everything
1: so it's literally foundation for email i mean it's like the way you guys did foundation you you put that same amount of care and love into ink and pretty much awesome well, cool. Yeah. So these are two cool projects to be on the, on the lookout for just more cool stuff from Zurb. It's been about, I think, two years since the first time, uh, you guys are on the changelog and, and unlike yep. last time we didn't mention Britney Spears this time. So there you go. Britney Spears. <laughs> Britney Spears. Uh,
2: well, we mentioned her now.
1: <laughs> yeah. She's been mentioned. Um, cool. Yeah. So, uh, for, for those of you that are new, we ask the same questions at the end of every episode and we'll, uh, go ahead and ask them now. So Jonathan for a call to arm. So you officially release it next week so what would be something you'd like to see the community kind of get involved with when it's released
2: uh, when foundation comes out I would love to have the I would love to have the community really put the screws to interchange uh, I want to see what all people can actually do with that and I'd love to know if there are more ways we can uh, do work on the front end to optimize the delivery of responsive sites because there's it's, it's For most people, it's just too hard on the back end to actually do. Most people just, who are going to do front end stuff, they can't do device profiling mm-hmm. and HT access hackery and stuff on the back end. So I want to figure out ways to really optimize this on the front end, uh, including if we can figure out any way, and we've talked about it a little bit here, but if anybody has any bright ideas on client side ways of optimizing the delivery of assets based on the bandwidth and latency of the client, that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Cool. So any bright yeah. ideas there?
1: Awesome, Mark. Anything to add to that, or anything different?
3: Uh, well, I would love to see uh, more people get involved on GitHub. Uh, we have we already have a, a pretty active community uh, on GitHub. Uh, the issues section, and just love seeing people get in there, answering questions, helping us continue to refine Foundation and and just make it more awesome. So. Hoping to see more people get involved and, and helping us out.
2: Yeah, anybody who wants to get on GitHub and help us close out some issues—that would be just rad. Because every issue that somebody else closes out is one less thing that makes us go gray. So,
1: right. <laughs> yeah, that's a common a common request. Is kind of yeah. just like a. It's almost like a secretary of issues, somebody to help out with just like managing this stuff because it becomes. I mean, when you're. In open source, when your project gets big enough, just managing the issues and, like, validating the requests and stuff becomes a full-time job. And so it's definitely something that people need help with.
2: You can't see Mark's face, but he's going, "Uh uh uh-huh, uh-huh, (laughs) uh-huh, because he's had to do that. Oh, God.
3: (laughs) yeah,
1: Late nights, uh, Uh I can imagine. So if you weren't doing – if you weren't working at Zurb, Mark, what would you be doing?
3: Uh, I would probably be out sailing or – Mountain biking. Two sailings in a row,
1: That's two sailings in a row. That's two. Oh. Yeah.
3: Well,
2: I hope that doesn't cool sound then. cliche. Kalen, I, but... I'm
0: pretty sure Kalen said he'd be sailing too. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Mark's, Mark's got all kinds of stories about adventures on catamarans in the, <laughs> in, the, in, the, in, the, in the ocean and around some islands and whatnot. He's quite the sailor. So. I don't know. I was out in the
3: Grenadines earlier this year, and uh, it was just absolutely magical out there and warm water and the
2: best piña coladas you'll ever have.
1: <laughs> awesome. What about you, Jonathan?
2: If I wasn't working at Zurb, uh, if I wasn't working at Zurb at all, I would actually, in a, in a perfect world, and if someone would give me the $15 million or so, if anybody's listening wants to give me some money, uh, I would love to have my own movie theater, actually. Dude, I'm right there so with you, the man. Yeah? Yeah. Fantastic! We got to find someone who's going to give us about the, the ten or fifteen million you need to build a facility and get all the equipment. Yes, but, uh, man!
0: I would love to build a movie theater, man. Oh, see what God. we can
2: find. That's my that's my not so secret not working at Zurb dream. So
0: just go dig up
1: some of those gold bars that you stored in your backyard, Adam. Oh, yeah! <laughs> I forgot about those. You are in Texas. Yeah, that's true. If you got some of those, <laughs> I'll come
2: take them. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: and then the last one is for a programmer hero. So Jonathan, just someone that's kind of been influential in your life career to this point?
2: oh, Programmer hero? I don't know if this is cliche for a front-end guy or not, but uh, Paul Irish is a freaking genius. Mm -hmm. Um, I really like most everything that he's done, although I will actually have one that is... Actually, I have a a different one which is maybe less cliche, but I really like the guy. Uh, He's actually... He's part of the Google uh, Chrome Dev Relations team in England, actually. His name's Jake Archibald. Um, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He is... Uh, we, he and I both uh, spoke at a conference in Finland earlier this year, uh, and his his talk was amazing. Not in partly in the content, which was all about like animation optimization in modern browsers, which was just awesome and like some of the best research stuff I've ever seen. But his actual slides were all built in HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, and were just like some of the most amazing things I've ever seen. Like it was incredible. Like the hmm. the the things he can do with like animating SVGs with JavaScript along paths and like all kinds of just cool stuff I did not even know you could do. I thought it was awesome.
1: Yeah. Kind of a so. weird tie in for him. He I follow him on Twitter. He's got a his name is I think it's like uh, Jaffa the Cake or something. Jaffa the Cake. And yep. <laughs> yeah. Every time he tweets and I see his avatar, you know, you see the avatar is like real small and you can yep. barely see him. For some reason his picture looks Exactly like Win Netherland to me, yeah, and so whenever he tweets, I always think it's Win tweeting. Similar. When about it with the There's something about him that looks like it's a weird tie-in, but yeah, cool you can guy.
2: you can ask Jake about this. But the the reason he only ever shows like half his face in avatars, the other half is really ugly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, we can edit that out. Don't worry. That's <laughs> not just literally. Um, <laughs> I've Mark, told it to his face. Uh,
3: yeah. it's it's really tough uh, to, to name one person. I. I would I say, but I—I'm I, going to say Ryan Bates. Uh, before I—I uh, moved down yeah. here, yeah, I used to watch. Well, I still watch his screencast. He's been on hiatus for the last couple of months, months now. But, yeah, yeah. Actually, the last uh, screencast he did was on Foundation, uh, which was kind of funny. Uh, but definitely, he just—I always admired someone who could take a really complex subject and break it down and make it seem relatively trivial and easy to learn.
1: Yeah, we love Ryan. He's a good guy, and I—I uh, yeah. don't, you know, I don't. I, the the update he wrote just a, re- a few weeks ago, I think, about the kind of he's still going on hiatus. I'm, you know, get get some time all for you, but man, the community definitely misses his contributions because he does some really cool stuff.
0: Yeah, we we've been talking about burnout, and it seems like it's a mixture of that and I think he was sick for a bit but Ryan if you're listening somehow you're just like chilling listening to the change all for whatever reason maybe you are maybe you aren't we wish you well my friend for sure And we we, we want to see you back but back better for sure yeah take your time for sure yeah awesome cool well that's a that's a good show man I, I'm uh I'm stoked you guys were able to come on and talk about Foundation 5 Jonathan I know you made an appearance a while ago and it's been a while since then but you guys have been uh, I mean I think when it talks, when we talk about the competition of found, of frameworks and whatnot, I think what the listeners of this show would definitely need to know is that like you guys have been in it for the long haul. I mean, everything from what you guys have been doing at Zurb to what you've been doing with Foundation, you know, you've been committed. So if I think one thing we do when we choose or make choices to use frameworks or whatever is trust, and I and I believe you guys have definitely earned the trust. Of the community, and you guys are leaders in many many ways, and we just appreciate you sharing it with us honestly and then inviting us to contribute that's that's super awesome so we want to thank you for taking the time to come on Jonathan and mark for uh for sharing their wisdom here for sure and then uh and uh Brian for reaching out and reminding me hey that you guys uh, announced Foundation Five, which we covered today for you real quick, and we can't wait till next Thursday when you release it so well, oh. thank
2: you very much. We uh, we really really appreciate it, and it's uh, it's always fun to come on. We uh, we were stoked when you when you reached out and wanted to uh, wanted to talk again. It had been a little while, so uh, thanks for having us. It's
0: a good timing for sure. I think you know honestly.
1: Yeah, we appreciate you guys being so uh, so flexible too. I mean, you guys came on so quick yes. and nailed it for sure.
0: Yeah, we uh... <laughs>
3: hey, yeah yeah we we needed a break
2: today. <laughs> <laughs> now get back to
0: right. Yeah, well, docs. next Thursday you have Pretty a big much. break, right? You got the you got the the beer party, the the drink up. Well, you'll. Uh... Your launch party oh yeah it.
2: we'll uh we'll, we'll we'll chill out for the for the party and then i'm sure on friday we'll be pushing 501 so yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and also uh want to give a shout out to our sponsors digital ocean and top um I mentioned earlier, you know, just about us moving over to Blazing. I like saying it. It's funny, right? Blazing fast SSD cloud servers. I mean, I just think it's it sounds cool for one, but I, I definitely think it's cool. So if you've been reading the changelog for a while and if you're, if you're browsing it right now as you're listening to this and it's much faster, much zippier, that's why. So take advantage of our $10 hosting credit with them. Changelog sent me is how you do it. Changelog sent me. Use that when you sign up. There's a coupon code spot there for some reason that doesn't work out just email support they're awesome they're gonna get right on it um and then i mentioned the tutorials that uh that i use myself and if you if you're a skilled person in any sort of way and you can share some knowledge back on how to do something with a DigitalOcean server or how to use a certain piece of open source technology you can get paid 50 bucks to write tutorials and uh we'll, we'll have some links in the show notes for that but uh also, email barry at digitalocean.com if you want some stickers. He will ship them around the world. I don't care where you're at. He'll send them to you. And then Toptile, uh, you, you got to join the Toptile network if you're into freelancing. And, and uh, you definitely have to check them out. toptalcom slash developers to apply. Work with some awesome people around the world. Uh, and if, if you haven't yet, they also have a really awesome engineering blog. We'll have a link for that in the show notes as well. And they've been a couple times on the change too so that's that's been awesome but uh, that's it for us i think i mean i'm just stoked we're on digital Ocean and it's super fast uh, I'm just, I'm, i can't believe it i'm, I'm excited but uh, jonathan <laughs> mark thanks again for coming on the show and uh, let's say goodbye see you guys later
2: thanks guys thanks guys bye